when you go to those multi-unit leaders when they bring their GMs together and you're like, well, I am here now and I'm here to listen, that just exponentially builds the respect for programs and initiatives that you're trying to drive. Welcome to Action This, practical wisdom from experienced management pros, a podcast series featuring a stacked roster of industry guests dishing about what it really takes for brands to thrive. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Action This by Chatter podcast. I am your host, Zach Hamilton, and I am really looking forward to uh, today's conversation with William Folsom. Before I intro William Folsom to you, I'm going to tell you why I've been looking forward to this conversation for such a long time. William and I have a lot of... uh, a lot of history together. We've been great friends. We've been great colleagues together. And he's one of those guys that when I just need to brainstorm opportunities or I'm trying to solve a challenge and maybe I just kind of have that brain freeze, he's typically one of my very, very first calls that I go to and say, William, what, what would you do? How would you solve this challenge? Uh, he is just an incredible thinker. He doesn't think about What are the tools or capabilities that we currently have, but really around what is it that the customer needs? How do we enable employees to work more efficiently and serve the customers greater? And he's one of those guys that you can really just think about the art of the possible uh, to create those experiences and then to work backwards in order to find that solution. So I know that all of you listeners today will get a lot out of this, but uh, real quick, uh, William, before before we get into our conversation, our chat, let me just give you a little background on William. So William uh, has spent the last 12 years at his career in his career at Aaron's. Uh, he has been really just everywhere, I would say, at Aaron's. He started as a store manager. Uh, he then helped lead sales and customer experience at the divisional level for, for a little over 110 stores. He's been a regional manager, so running 10 stores as a multi-unit leader uh, and all the challenges that encompass that. He's also moved to the home office at Aaron's. He's run customer-centric initiatives, things like Aaron's Club, digital payments, which I know, William, we really want to get into because you helped transform a 60-year-old business that was like 80% cash or check and now if you listen to the earnings calls, right, about 70% is all digital payments. So can't wait to get into that. Uh, digital experience. So not just digital experience on errands.com, uh, but, but William's really been the catalyst uh, operationally for digitizing all the in-store tools, both customer-facing and employee-facing. So William, welcome to the Action This Podcast. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it. Uh, I, I want to dive in. There's there's so much that we could talk about, um, but really, what I want to hear first, William, is you know I've, I've talked to so many leaders, even just operational leaders, customer experience leaders, and what I always love to learn about is just your journey. So, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, even as a child, what led you into you know operations and. Uh, you know, why you're so passionate about customer experience and how did you lean in the role you are today? Yeah, so um, I guess my customer experience journey really started uh, 
well before Aaron's uh, back pretty pretty much right out of high school, first couple of years of college. Uh, went into a, a tanning salon with a girlfriend that I was dating at the time, and everybody that was going in and out of there while I was sitting there waiting on her just hated being there. But it was only it was only shop in town, and I just simply asked like. Hey, would y'all go somewhere else if there was somewhere else to go? And they were like, absolutely, absolutely. And that's what really keyed in on like customer experience for me was what I was seeing going in and out of that door every day. Um, and they didn't have to spend their money there. And that led me to open a shop across the parking lot and uh, pretty much shut that one down, <laughs> the competitor down within the first year. Um, and then opened up a couple more. So I had a little chain of tenant salons that, uh, um, and my focus was, hey, just make them happy. If you can't make them happy, give me a call on my cell and we'll work something out with a customer. Never really had to do that that much. But uh, that's where my journey started. Like, hey, what they're experiencing when they're doing business with you is the most important thing because that's going to keep them loyal, um, keep them coming back year after year, month after month. Um, and then uh, actually somebody at Aaron's uh, recruiter walked in <laughs> kind of. Saw me sitting at one of my salons and like, what is this place? How, why is there a line out the door? Cause uh, for, for tanning, I'm like, cause we take care of everybody and uh, gave me the recruiting spiel. And <laughs> then my journey with Aaron started and I let the tanning salons kind of run themselves until uh, I sold them. So, yeah. So that's kind of in a nutshell, my uh, journey. Yeah. I, it's such a fascinating journey, right? You, you, you saw a need with the tanning salons and you said, Hey, look, tanning bed is a tanning bed, but what I'm going to do better is servicing the customer. But let's back up just one more, right? Because if you guys haven't been able to tell very quickly, William's got such the Southern accent uh, <laughs> that I joke about all the time. He lives in Northwest Florida. And I can tell you, you know, I have visited uh, him in his local region and toured stores. And I'll say the one thing, William, that I always find just incredible about you is you always want to make sure that whoever is visiting you, whether it's for work um, or I've even visited you just for fun, right? For pleasure. Everyone, you always ensure that everyone still has a great time, right? So you take them you know, to the, the, the local joints and, and you're very proud about the small town that you live in and, and eating local and those types of things. So where, where did you find that passion, right? Like, cause you're always passionate about everyone having a good time. So it's got to come, like, does it come from family? Does it come from something yeah. that you experienced growing up? Yeah, I really think it comes from family. Um, uh, our, my family and I are very close knit. Um, we eat every, every weekend together, cook out that kind of thing. And I think that carries over into my work life a lot. I want the people that I'm around to feel comfortable around me and have a good time. And that is something that you can leverage to get stuff done. And it's almost like, you know, synergy in, in life. Um, if everybody's happy around you, get more done, um, have a good time while you're doing it. Yeah, it's really interesting. Let's, so let's talk, let's just talk about William the Leader right now. Right. So you've, you've held a lot of just great leadership positions. Um, and let's be honest, right? Like I let, I read just a handful of initiatives that, you know, many companies try to transform their business with and many initiatives fail. But yet you 
it seems like every initiative that you start to lead, not only do you get it up off the ground, but you are such a catalyst within operations and you drive great change management. So if we were to ask folks who have either worked, worked for you in the field operationally in your stores or team up with you at the home office, what's one quality that they would say, this is how William shows up every day? Wow. Um, hmm. One quality. And I, I would I think it's it's just I'm just customer centric on on you know and being able to translate that to a development team and operators to make it actionable. Um, I, I just feel that's where my niche is. <laughs> yeah, William. Let's let's stay on that topic. I want to double click on it because you know I've been fortunate enough to work with more than four hundred brands around the globe, right and. I think for all the practitioners that are listening to the podcast today, one of the major challenges that we continue to hear is we want our organization to be more customer centric or we want them to be customer obsessed. Uh, And there's been a great challenge with getting operators, right? And when I say operators, I'm thinking about retail store leadership. Right, so multi-unit leaders all the way down the store manager, even the front line. How do we get them to be less score obsessed? Right, so MPS yep. to how do we help them understand what are our customers telling us and how do we take action on it? And you've seen to to be able to do that extremely well. I call you a chameleon. Um, so talk to talk to us a little bit about that. Like, do you think it's your roots in store operations for such a long time that's really helped you navigate it, or is there like a secret to William Folsom speak? <laughs> well, coming from operations has definitely helped, and you know, taking customer insights and saying you want to be customer centric is easy to say, and it's really hard to execute. Um, and and really, I, I think kind of the secret sauce for for driving execution and operations is showing insights in a in, to to an operator and going, hey, it's it's not about doing this um, for X, Y, and Z reasons. It's it's about doing this to make your life and the customer's life easier. And that's that's kind of the approach I take, especially when I'm talking to a group of operational leaders. I'm like, if we do this right, your life, your day, your your daily grind's going to be easier. And hey. You're going to retain this customer for life. Here's why. Here's what you're doing to affect that customer's quality of life, um, their shopping experience with you. And in turn, your day-to-day operations are going to be easier because it is a lot easier to deal with happy customers, as most of us know, than customers that are, you know, aggravated or even, you know, neutral about their experience that they're having with you. Happy customers help you. Um, and that's really, you know, what I try to drive with operators in the field. Yeah, I think that's so important, right? Is it's not just about what I heard in there was, it's not just about, you know, the one-time experience, but it's really around, you know, streamlining operations. And what I heard was you tied, what's in it for me, right? So you took it a step further and not just said, 
hey, here's the reasons why we had to do a, a great customer experience or deliver you know, a great sales experience or whatever that may be. But it was, what's in it for me, right? So you talked about a little bit around, it's going to make your daily grind easier, which every store operator knows there's a daily grind, right? We know that, especially when you think about labor, labor shortages right now, what does that mean for staffing your stores? And uh, you think about supply chain issues, right? And, and we know those things are creating customer experience issues. But I think the other thing that you do really, really well on the what's in it for me or the with them is you have this unique ability to also directly tie it to the P&L and really show that store manager, teach and coach them on, if you pull this lever, here's how it's going to impact your P&L. So can you, can you share with us, like, why is that so important to that store operator? Yeah, I mean, really, from an Aaron's perspective and any retailer, it's, it's a lot easier to keep current customers than to go earn new business every single day. And keeping customers happy is a big part of that. But when you can quantify like, hey, keeping this customer is going to put this amount of money on your bottom line versus if you lose them and they tell all their friends <laughs> to not do business with you, here's the negative impact. And all you had to do was this simple one little thing and just be consistent at it. And it, it sort of is eye-opening, like, oh, man, if I could just change the way I say this or say the, change the way I interact at the counter with them, the way I talk to them on the phone, you show them that with the insights and you just make it as simple as possible. You don't need a three-hour meeting to do that. Just focus on one thing and then move on to the next one on your next visit. That's you know kind of the way we've been doing it, and it seems to have worked really well. Yeah, let's let's stick to let's stick to influencing store operations for a minute before we get into you know some of the broader things that you've done to to impact the entire company. When you think about store operations, I think there's also a disconnect too. When you think about, hey, we want to be a more customer-centric organization. And what I hear all the time is there's such a disconnect on what does customer obsess or customer centricity or customer first culture mean at the home office or corporate office level? What are our, what are our leaders telling us? And there seems to always be this like communication gap or disconnect between corporate office and frontline. And you know, and I know that the multi-unit leader, right? So at Aaron's are called district managers at other places, they're regional managers. It's the multi-unit leaders um, that lead, that have a specific uh, group of stores that they lead. And then it's, of course, you know, those, those area directors or those zone vice presidents or those vice presidents of operations, you know, who have multiple district and regional managers. And I think those are the two most critical roles in any store operation organization because everything rises and falls on what those multi-unit leaders are driving. Yeah. Right. And so when you think about customer experience, you've also spent, I don't know how many airline miles and time out in the field, really upskilling those multi-unit leaders. So can you just talk about why you decided to really get in the trenches with them? What are the type of uh, upskilling and coaching that you do with them? And how have you seen that change behavior? 
Yeah. So, you know, I think the most popular question from a multi-unit leader is like, why is this happening across all my stores? And really, a lot of our multi-unit leaders half a decade ago didn't even log into our instance to look at insights for what their customers were saying. And when you got a multi-unit leader training a group of stores, they're going to train each store the same way. So if you look at, hey, this is the way they're talking to their customers on the phone. This this is what is being, this is what your customers are saying. The most painful thing about doing business with you is, or the best thing about doing business with you is, you know, give accolades for that and coach based on the insights that you're you're seeing in your, you know, for your group of stores. And you can change that very quickly and easily uh, if you focus on it. And so going around and really sitting with them, walking them through it, something that they've never done before and showing them like, okay, this is what they're saying. Here's what we can do. To, here's three things we can do to fix it. And then we tell their GMs that, their general managers that, their store managers. And and it's it's crazy how you can leave there and then watch their MPS scores and their instances of you know negative comments go down or their MPS go up. Um, and that's really about you know, getting in the trenches with them and showing them and showing them how to use the tools that they already have. Um, and it's, it's very impactful, especially when they buy in and they see it on a PL the next couple months. But hey, the store is growing. We're getting more customer base. We're getting more revenue. We're keeping these customers. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's phenomenal um, to watch the level of influence that you've had on Aaron's store operations. And, you know, the one thing that I applaud is you didn't just try to do it from a cubicle, right? Things are so much easier right now just to get on Zoom. But when you think about operations, I don't know if you agree with me, William, but there's so much more respect that you gain from a retail operator, whether that be the store manager, multi-unit leader, or even operational just leadership. When you actually get in the trenches with them, you go and visit stores, you understand the whirlwind that they face every single day, right? I mean, yes, from the corporate office, we think it's idealistic that they can log into their email for 15 minutes every morning when they first walk in and they can look at all the reports and they can look at their customer feedback. But when you actually go and see their whirlwind from when they're walking in, they're being told we had three people call out today. Our shipment of produce, for example, didn't come in. We're short on this. And I got three lanes that are just busting with customers that are waiting in line for five or 10 minutes to check out. Sometimes there's, they're never on their email. Yeah. And so can you just give some advice to the experienced practitioners that are listening right now You know, who are thinking, I still struggle to get the buy-in from my store operation leaders like if there's just one or two things that you could say, this really worked for me, what would it be? Yeah, it's, it's, it really goes back to what you're saying about that communication gap between your store support center, home office, and the field. When you go to those multi-unit leaders, go to their, their group meetings when they bring their GMs together, and you're like, well, I am here now, and I'm here to listen. I'm here to take your feedback. You're my customer. I'm here to build for you um, and help you out. That just, you know, exponentially 
builds the respect for, for you and the programs and initiatives that you're trying to drive. And uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough to experience that with any initiative in the last few years I've been driving at Aaron's. Um, I get out in the field with the pilots that we do when we're testing new things. Uh, and then when we roll it out, they know, hey, this is going to be a good thing because they've been listening to us. So let's go let's go ahead and double down all in on this new thing that uh, Aaron's or Williams rolling out, whatever it is, um, that they kind of buy into that. Chatter by Stingray proudly presents Action This. Let's have a chat. Visit chatterresearch.com to try out our online feedback demo and experience the chatter effect. William, I think uh, there's one word that I heard there, right? And that's empathy. And I think for, for such a long time, I really didn't grasp the concept of empathy, right? Um, and that's such a quality. You just mentioned it, right? Really listening to them and understanding, hey, when we make this change, this is how it impacts us at the store. And we would think in customer experience or customer service, right? If you're working in the contact center, that innately we would just have empathy because that's what we're doing. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you have really had to develop your empathy muscle um, in order to have the success that you've had? Yeah, and I think not just empathy, but also taking what you hear when you're being empathetic and listening. And then going and actioning on that and taking it back and go, I heard you. This is what we're going to do about it, or this is what we did about it. That is, you know, kind of like the, the golden standard of what you have to do as a CX practitioner is, is listen to your customers and go, we heard you, whether that's a store operator or the customer themselves, your consumer, we heard you. Here's what we're going to do about it. Um, and you do that, even if it's not a perfect solution, the fact that you even tried and you put effort into it builds relationships, builds, you know, um, long-term benefits for, for that relationship. So, um, that's really what I've done. And, it, you know, it, it does take some, some grinding out on an airplane sometimes if you're, you know, or traveling to, to do that. I mean, during, you know, the pandemic. I, I didn't slow down very much with my traveling because it's that important to me to keep those relationships strong with those operators and and be going through what they're going through. Um, so so when I need them to buy into a pilot or buy into a new initiative, they do it with almost no hesitation. Yeah, I think so. I think that was the second thing. It's it is not only did you empathize and listen and dig in and, and really hear them. But then you, you took action on it, right? And action is the greatest form of trust. I've, I, I talk about it all the time, right? And I, I gave the analogy around, you know, when I was in high school and, you know, I had my curfew and my curfew, I was always pissed off at my mom because it was probably earlier than all my friends. Um, but I'll never forget. I shared a story a while back on the podcast where, you know, I came in Friday night about 30 minutes after curfew. And I thought that 
I won, right? Because my mom was, was asleep the next morning I woke up and she said, don't think about going to that party tonight. And I said, why? And she's like, you were 30 minutes late. And she said, you're grounded. And I said, you know what, mom, I, I'm so sorry. And, I, and of course, I had all these excuses of why I was running late. And I think we've all heard it before, but my mom just looked at me and said, action speaks louder than words. And so my mom no longer trusted the fact that I would come in and meet my curfew. So she was disciplining me, holding me accountable for that party. And I think a lot of times what we miss as operators, going back and tying this back to what you just said is, I've heard so many times from operators of, look, we've said this so many times and no one ever listens to us. But what you just demonstrated was, it's not just about listening to understand and empathizing and connecting with them, but now it's going back and truly taking action on it. And then also following up to communicate, hey, these are the actions that we're taking on your feedback. And I think, William, that that's such a lesson for all of us. You just demonstrated is, especially with your operations, they're all your clients, they're your customers. Yep. And Definitely. building trust with them is the key to truly transforming what experience is within your brand. Right? Like, I know you and I have always talked about employee behavior is your brand experience. So can you talk a little bit more about changing employee behavior through empathy, trust, stemming from action, and then communicating? How have you seen that completely just transform at Aaron's today? Yeah, so probably the biggest thing goes to our digital payment journey, right? Like our belief and I'll say our belief, Aaron's belief is, hey, we've got to call our customers. We have to manage um, their accounts and because they can't do it as well as we want them to. Um, so we had a really hard time saying, hey, let's let the customer set up their payment schedule. Let's trust them to do it the right way because it's it's their money, right? Um, and you know, it really goes back to that that influence piece and listening and saying like, hey, this is going to be better. And they want to say, well, tell me why it's going to be better. You pull up your, your insights and you go, we have this many customers, big number of customers saying, hey, I, I don't like doing business with y'all because of all the phone calls, because of all the manual account management stuff, right? And you've, you, we had to show that feedback to operators to say, this is why we have to do this because we're losing good customers because we don't have this. Um, and it really kind of opened their eyes. Yeah, we had to get on an airplane and travel around and show them that group by group. Like, these are your customers. This is John Smith saying that he doesn't want to do business with you. He's spent tens of thousands of dollars with you, but he does not like doing it anymore because of this experience. And it really opens their eyes looking at that. And then like, here's what we're going to do about it. Here's what we're doing for you to help you with that and to ensure it meets your, you know, operational goals and doesn't negatively impact that. Um, so that's, that's really, you know, changing employee mindsets about programs and customer experience. You know, that's just one of many examples that, that I have um, of taking insights 
and initiatives that we're working on with development teams, meshing that together, showing the operator the benefit of it so they buy in and uh, open their eyes a little bit. Yeah, I think that's it's such a key learning there too, right? Is really around when you are driving change management, how you utilize customer feedback in order to help them, in order to help say, say, hey, look, here's the current state and here's how it's impacting your, for example, store PL or your district's PL, our company PL. Here's what the future state is based on what our customers want aspirationally, what do they want? And here's how we're going to get there. And I think that's a, a common roadmap that brands are missing today is they miss out on here's the current state and the negative consequences. Here's what our customers want. And if we deliver on this, here's, here's the positive outcomes that you could expect as a store manager, as a multi-unit leader, a vice president of operations, COO. Right. Um, so I think that's a great learning, William, that everyone can take from you. I want to shift now um, to now you're influencing at a greater level, right? So now you're not just focused on customer experience, but you have been trusted with some of the most important customer facing initiatives that have truly transformed not just the phenomenal company that Aaron's is, right? And the customer base that they serve and the way that they, cha- they change lives. But I truly believe as if we look back on the industry, you are one of those key figures that have truly changed the industry on the way that customers get to experience the industry and the brand. So let's, let's talk about like your shift from operations down to the home office. You've been trusted with all these initiatives. What's been the key to not just launching initiatives, but also at the same time, scaling them and almost scaling them quicker than I've ever seen scaled across, I don't know how many stores Aaron's has now, but like not just company stores, but you also have to do it with franchisees, right? Because franchisees, the franchise stores is a big part of your business as well. So there's that's a whole other piece of the pie, right? Of influence you have to lead. So What's been the key? What's been the key to your success on on scaling all these things? Oh wow! I, I mean, really, it goes back to those influencing relationships that you have and um, the trust that you've built through through listening. And uh, <laughs> you have to speak operator to the operators, and you have to speak, you know, dev to the developers, and. Uh, <laughs> And then you also have to be in that middle ground, like, hey, here's here's the customer and what they're saying. And Sean, hey, if we tweak this a little bit, developers, we can do this. And then you show that to the operators, the benefit of it. Um, I mean, that's, that's way over generalizing. Yeah. yeah. No, I think what's also fascinating, William, is... You know, if you think of the way that you operate, you don't get stuck in traditional experience management, right? Like you don't have a steerco meeting. You don't have all these stagnant, right. archaic, traditional experience management practices because you know it extremely slows you down. What you've done extremely well is you've set up cross-functional, agile experience systems and teams. Can you talk to the group a little bit about that? Yeah, so all that 
talking to the developers and and getting things prioritized. We we kind of do that um, agilely uh, through a cross functional team. We have a stakeholder, um, and and the stakeholders aren't the C level or even the VP level of of uh, different initiatives or products. It's the the people that actually you know the the develop developers report to um, the dev teams and uh, you know. We meet really quickly, 15 minutes every Friday morning for each initiative, and uh, we prioritize, make sure we're heading in the right direction, make sure it's not conflicting with any other initiatives, uh, which that builds trust with your uh, development teams. Um, Yeah, we'll we'll have legal on the call. We'll have our our Pavis teams, our our, uh, checkout teams that work on that um, software. Everybody from everywhere, there's at least one person on the call. And I can't tell you how many times we've been like, oh yeah, this is great. And that one person that maybe is not directly in that work stream goes, hey, but this will influence this. And that has been so key to keeping the ball rolling on so many initiatives. We've been able to pivot or agilely move the needle one way or the other really quickly to you know, develop a really good product or initiative or an enhancement for current products, then we feel good about it. Then we can find our partners and operations to pilot that quickly, agilely. Uh, We have a network of really great, what we call pilot partners um, that we can go to like, hey, we got this. Do you want to pilot it? We hardly ever get a no. (laughs) I think that's fascinating too, William. When you think about piloting a new initiative, right, especially with operational leaders, they typically want to see a fully baked solution or product or whatever it may be because they don't know if they're going to win. They're going to look, it's going to enhance the PL. But we also know there's going to be things that either take slower to get up off and running. They could potentially fail. You may have to pivot a couple times. And that's a huge disruption, right, to operations. And so when you think about one, I think it goes back to, your ability to, to, to build trust through empathy and taking action. But I also think, you know, share with the group is how involved your cross-functional stakeholders are, right? It's not just, hey, it's William and a couple operators, but it's William operators. It's, it's whatever product team that's involved with the build, right? It's, it's your BI team, the people yep. who are building dashboards for the operators to look at. It's your customer experience teams. It's your legal. Your your attorney also gets on, right? That's very unheard of that an attorney <laughs> is so passionate to, to be involved day-to-day with customer experience. It is your, your home solution center. You have training and development teams, right? You have all these, all these players. What makes them want to come back every week and participate? It, it, it goes back to one key piece that you just mentioned, your, your BI team. You don't need to build anything if you're not going to track the results. And so if you show the, the benefit of it from your BI team and you have that ready to pilot with your initiative and you also every Friday talk about, hey, th- this is what the customer experience is for this tweak that we did that we're piloting right now. So it's a combination of those two things, showing the results in an agile way, building analytics to flow through with your pilot and also Say, hey, here's the impact that we're immediately having with our customers and our and or our stores, yeah. making their lives easier. And that's that's really been the key 
and they they want to show up every Friday morning to hear the result. Like, hey, this is what we worked on last week. This is what it's doing for operations. This is what it's doing for customer experience. Then we go, let's do it more every. And you know, we've been doing some of these cross-functional meetings since 2018. Every single week, um, I think that we'd be hard pressed to find a weekly series that's been going on for that many years consecutively. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> it, it to me the one thing that I heard in there, William, is I always call it give that dopamine hit through quick wins. Yeah, right. It is those very small, bite-sized, quick wins that become so contagious. Everyone feels part of something. They yeah. feel about it, it, it's greater than the team. It's greater than really the brand. Everyone feels like they are contributing in some manner. And I think that is such another great lesson to learn is delivering the quick wins. Yeah. This has been such a great conversation, William. I want to end a couple of questions I want to ask before we end here. The first one really is along the way, I know you've also had your initiatives that have failed. You've had things that didn't quite go the way you wanted it to go. Um, what are some of those key learnings that you've had through those failures um, that you've learned from, you've adjusted, you've pivoted, and used them as a springboard? Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, everybody's heard the fail fast analogy, like learn fast. Fail. You can't learn fast or fail fast if you don't have your whole team there. And you're, and you're not listening to your whole team. Uh, and that's probably been the key learning that, that I've had over the last you know, half a decade at the sports center is listen to everybody. If somebody says something's broke, something's wrong, pay attention. It might be an operator. It might be somebody on your cross-functional team. That's, that's been key. Um, and, and any product, any initiative, your company is bigger than you. Don't. Don't let your pride be bigger than, you know, just because you want something to work and you thought it was the best thing. Um, it, it, might, it might not be, and it might not work as intended. It might have some unintended consequences. And you need to pay attention to that and pay attention to your team because that's, you have to listen to them even when they're not telling you good news and act on it appropriately. And that also builds trust. It, and it, it, yeah, sometimes it's humbling, but when people see you are humble, and you fail fast and you learn from it, like, okay, let's, let's pivot. Let's, let's move the needle again the other way. Um, it just <laughs> more securely bonds that foundation with your teams. Yeah. yeah I, I think that's such a, a great, you know, put the ego aside. And I, I, you know, I've seen you over the last several years um, really just grow as a leader in that. Right, putting the ego aside, and and I think that's what makes you know William Folsom the amazing leader. I want to I want to pivot now to, you know, I think being your authentic self is also so key in, in what you do, right? And all of us have our things. Everyone knows I I am a sneakerhead. Um, I always probably have a pair of Jordans on. What's your thing? Like, what is the thing that everyone knows? Oh, that's William Folsom. Oh, geez. Uh, besides the way I talk, <laughs> it's it's. <laughs> It's it's probably my uh, my uh, cowboy boots that I wear everywhere. That's probably it. That's that guy with the cowboy boots. I've seen him on Zoom before. <laughs> What's your? What do you have a favorite pair of cowboy boots? 
Yeah, I, I like uh, the Luke Casey um, Tame and Skin cowboy boots. Yeah, that's my favorite. I got them in a couple colors. Yeah, <laughs> nice. I thought you were going to say the banjo that you have behind you that you play. <laughs> oh, Lord. I do not play the banjo, Zach. One other one other question that I have for you is, um, besides Aaron's, right, the company that you work for, what's one of your favorite brands that you like to interact with as a customer and why? Oh, man. Um, that's so many um, that I, I, I like a lot. Um, really, I, I'd probably say... You know, local restaurants come to my mind the most because I just have, that's my jam is going out to eat. Um, so something recognizable is what I'm probably spinning my wheels on right now. <laughs> um, but Bucky's is is my new thing right now. <laughs> I love Bucky's. Every time I go to Atlanta, I have to stop on 75 at Bucky's. Um, and it's just clean store, good experience, happy people. Uh, that's, that's probably uh, most recent. Uh, yeah, but for those for those of those people who don't know what a Bucky's is, Bucky's really is like a truck stop, though. Like without trucks, <laughs> without trucks. Um, but it's it's got like seventeen hundred <laughs> gas pumps. Um, yeah. I, I always say they have like a hundred different you know toilets or urinals, and they are the most cleanest bathrooms I've ever been in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. I, William, thank you so much for coming on the Action This podcast. It's it's been great. I I know our listeners. There's a couple of lessons that I took down that I know that you know all practitioners can learn from me. The first one really is just empathy, right? Not just for your customers and being customer led, but really connecting with the front line, um, really understanding you know what the challenges are that they have and connecting with them. But then also building trust with them and not just, you know, giving them lip service on we're going to go change this, but truly building trust on taking action. Action really is the heart of customer and employee experience. I think the other one, the other two are don't get lost in traditional experience management, but build your experience systems through you know, your agile stakeholder groups and, and how they play just a tremendous part uh, in changing the industry. And then last but not least, um, I think you said it best. The lesson that you had is really around put your ego aside. Uh, teams are definitely, you know, the collective way to drive innovation. So those are four lessons that I got from you today, William. It's It's been so phenomenal talking with you. If our listeners want to get in touch with you, you can find William on LinkedIn at William Folsom. Uh, feel free to reach out to him and uh, connect, talk shop with him. Uh, and for that, that's it for today's episode uh, with Action This by Chatter with William Folsom. And we look forward to chatting with you next week. All right. See you. Thanks, Zach. Thanks for tuning in. For more on consumer insights and experience the Chatter Effect, visit chatterresearch.com.